I wonder if you ever go through phases in your life, particular periods in your life. Uh, I think we all do, in fact. So, for example, the phase of going to primary school. How many people have been through or are going through that phase? Just raise your hand. Primary school? Yeah, yeah. So it's a phase of life that you went through. Or maybe um, a phase of life where perhaps you've got married and you've got little children. The children are there at primary school age. They're at the I hold my hand, darling, as we cross the road stage. You go through that phase, maybe? Anybody going through that phase at the moment? Okay, a few. And then as they get older, it's the teenage phase where you're looking at the clock to see what time they're going to be coming in at night or you're you're expecting a call asking, Dad, could you come and pick me up? Or that kind of phase that you might go through. Or maybe it's a study phase, maybe university, college, something like that, or you're studying something else. Or maybe it's just your work phase that you're going through, your phase where you know, you're not old enough to retire, so it's work, 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 going through that phase. Or maybe it's a retirement phase. But we, we all go through phases or periods in life. The Spanish artist Pablo Picasso famously went through what was called his blue period, in the early part of the 20th century, for, for a few years, he did most of his paintings using tones of blue. And he did that because it was a sad time of his life. And uh, I also have gone through a phase in my life. Uh, I'm not sure I'm completely out of that phase. Um, but I just wanted to say something about it for a moment or two. And it was a phase of uh, when I went away somewhere, I would bring something back. It's a souvenir, maybe not unusual, you might think. Well, I decided what I would do by way of my... I wasn't a deliberate phase, by the way. I would bring rocks back from wherever I went. So here's one that I brought back. I spoke to someone who studied geology, and they told me that this was a mudstone. And uh, this stone brings back memories. It brings back memories of a place called Aromanche. It was one of the D-Day landing beaches, and they built, the British and the Allies built an artificial harbor there called Mulberry Harbor. Well, this reminds me of a time where we went to that part of Normandy as a family. We went with another family in the church. In fact, there's someone here who was with us who's sitting in the congregation uh, who was also on that holiday. And um, we, our kids were teenagers at the time, and I remember we stayed in a farmhouse in uh, Normandy, and in those days, I don't know whether you still can in France, you could buy fireworks. The kids could buy fireworks. Just, you know, teenagers could go into shops and buy fireworks, and our kids and the other family bought fireworks and exploded them during the course of the week. They had a great time. So did we. Anyway, that stone brings back memories. Here's another one that I brought back. Um, let's see if anybody might recognize where this comes from. This is a pebble from a beach, and uh, I'll give you a clue it's a Greek island. And it's been made fairly famous. A novel was written, and then a film was made. And part of the film was filmed on this beach. Kefalonia, absolutely. It's Kefalonia. And if you might have read or seen the film, Captain Curly's Mandolin. And uh, we went to Kefalonia a few years ago, and it's a steep road down to the beach. So you're on the cliff, and you look down on the beach and see all these white pebbles. I thought I'd bring one back. Uh, if the Greek government should decide, along with the Elgin marbles that they want it back, then, you know, I'm open to negotiation about that. But, um, and uh, it reminds me of many things to do with Kefalonia, but I remember one of the things was that normally when you go to a Greek island, the sea's quite transparent, so you can go snorkeling or whatever and see, whereas at Myrtos Beach, it wasn't at all, presumably because of the chalk that come, came off the stones. It was very, it was opaque. You couldn't see through it. It was like azure color. So that reminds me of that 
holiday. Here's another stone, a small one this time. And this one, uh, we were on holiday by the Red Sea in Egypt. And we didn't know at the time, I had no idea, but they offered various trips out for the day. And one of the trips they offered out for the day was to go to Jerusalem. So we went to Jerusalem, but we went via the Dead Sea. And so I went, we went for a float in the Dead Sea. You can't swim in there, but you can certainly float. And I thought, I'll bring back a pebble. So that reminds me of that time when I floated in the Dead Sea. But not only that, we went on to Jerusalem. And some of the experience there was quite moving, particularly by the Wailing Wall, where people were praying. And the final stone comes from a place where, if you know me, if you know anything about me, you'll know, well, he's bound to have a stone from this particular place. Any ideas? Yeah, Nepal. This one's from Nepal. I've been to Nepal many times. And I think this one I brought back, it was, at, it was either the first or the second time I went, and I was out trekking on a mission trip into the Himalayas, and this was on the way back. And just on the final leg of the journey, which is very tiring, it certainly was for me, the final leg of the journey, up the mountain to the airfield. And I saw this on the path, and I thought, I'll bring that back in order to remind me of this time that we spent on the trek. So I have many happy memories that when I look back on that stone, they remind me of many things and many experiences and many people that have been a blessing to me out in that country. I want to read a passage as well from the Bible, from the book of Joshua, where Joshua is told by the Lord also to pick up some stones. As I read the passage, I want you to just notice why the Lord wants him to do it, or why Joshua says, let's do it for these reasons. So Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Now what's happened here is the children of Israel have been delivered out of Egypt under Moses. Moses has died. The children of Israel are coming through the river Jordan. The Lord stops the river flowing. They walk through on dry land. They get to the other side, and this is where I take up the reading. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. So did you notice there were two principal reasons why Joshua had to put these stones in place? And the reasons were he told them to the Israelites they were this. They were to be a sign and a memorial. A sign and a memorial. I want to talk about the memorial aspect of it first of all. It was about remembering. 
So if you remember nothing from today, remember to remember. All right? Remember to remember. And I'll tell you what to remember in a moment, or at least a little bit later. So it was a memorial. Verse 7, these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. We have many memorials in our country. We have seen a lot about it to commemorate the 100 years since World War I began this year. And um, we've got memorial in High Wycombe outside the parish church and many places. It's about remembering and not forgetting things. So the stones were placed here, the Joshua placed them, to be a memorial. I read this last week, which I thought was very interesting, about, about forgetfulness. It says this, The greatest enemy of faith may be forgetfulness. Just as in a marriage, the real threat may not be infidelity, but simply a slow process of forgetting and a gradual failure to remember the preciousness of the other person. That is very interesting. And so what I want to do, first of all, this morning, is I want to look back. I want to remember some of the things that have happened here at King's this year in 2014. And in order to do that, I've asked various people, if they wouldn't mind coming up, to share some of the things that have happened at King's this year, because I think we, when we remember some of the good things that have happened, it strengthens our faith. Richard, would you just like to come up first of all and share about the work that we've been doing with Christians Against Poverty? Yeah, Christians Against Poverty. Uh, we set up uh, a center, a Christians Against Poverty center, uh, at the end of February this year, beginning of March. And to be honest, for us, it was uh, it's quite a big faith venture, really, um, because it's uh, the costs. Uh, and running a, a centre like this are, are not small. And uh, the, the way Christians Against Poverty works, it, it helps. It's really for people outside the church. Uh, go in and they help them to manage their debt. And about 80% of people uh, are helped out of debt over, over five years. Um, and it's got a very, very robust way of encouraging and helping people get out of debt. Uh, but it was a big undertaking for us. And... Um, we decided to do this, and out of the blue, uh, some leaders from other churches came and approached us and said, actually, what we would like to do is, and these are church, other churches in the town, so we would like for, uh, to have an offering just for the work of the CAP Centre. And that was at an event called Love Wickham, which happens on Pentecost Sunday, when many, many churches from all over the town and the region come together to worship together. And they took up an offering, and that offering was £8,800. And that has really helped us get our cap centre off to a positive start. So that was a real encouragement, and that came out of the blue, so that was a blessing. Um, so uh, really started seeing clients towards the middle of the year. Ian Bickerstaff is our cap centre manager. He's seen a number of clients. In fact, the workload has increased so much, the demand is so high that Ian, at the moment, and this is well before Christmas, he was booking out till March, and that's before sort of the post-Christmas rush, which tends to happen uh, with the work that CAP does. So great encouragement, lots of clients being seen, uh, some of them being helped out of debt. Uh, we visited clients who, whose lives really have been changed because the burden and worry of debt have, uh, have been lifted off them. And they're in a much better place. And uh, we've also been encouraged. Uh, a number of the clients have been very open to, to being prayed for. 
uh, as Ian's team goes and visits them. Uh, we had a number come to our Carols at King's Christmas event a couple of weeks ago. That was a great encouragement. So, great start. Ian is doing a really, really good job. Thank you very much, Richard. Uh, it's just encouraging to remember some of the things that the Lord has been doing here in 2014. Ben and Claire, would you like to come up and share about something of our children's work? Well, well I have to say... If you weren't here on Christmas Day, you missed a real treat, I'll tell you. With, But anyway, ask someone else what happened. It was brilliant. And thank you very much for both of what you, you've done, you did on Christmas Day, but not just Christmas Day, throughout the whole year. Anyway, over to you. Thank you, Ron. Yeah. Did you all enjoy your turkey Christmas Day? <laughs> Mine, I did too. It was cooked just the way I liked it. Raw. <laughs> you had to be here, obviously, for that one. But this year, uh, King's Kids has been, we, we've been blessed, we've been blessed, and uh, one of the things that has really just kind of touched my heart, actually, is seeing our boys and our girls kind of just enter into worship, mm. and something we did around about Easter time, just after the refurbish of our hall, we love kind of, kind of all the giving that's gone towards making our hall kind of an amazing just place to be able to kind of host kind of a Sunday morning get-together. And um, our boys in particular, our girls, they kind of took to it straight away. But our boys, they, they were the ones who really stood out for me, who kind of have just got themselves lost in worship at times. And there's a few who stand out in as much as they are ones who get looked at by the other boys as to, oh, so that's what singing to Jesus singing their heart out, saying that they love him. That's what it looks like. And it's just beautiful to see that it's not just kind of a front-led thing, that actually amongst their peers, they are kind of influencing each other positively towards uh, loving Jesus. And that is lovely. Yep. I'll say one other thing in a moment, but Claire next. Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, well, there's so many highlights for us, but there was one particular thing that was really a moment where I just was able to step back and take it all in. And that was when we took our children that are aged 8 to 11 away for the weekend. There was 42 of them. And we have many activities over that weekend. But one of them is a campfire. So we're all around the campfire and we invite the children to share some of their talent. Now, the children are brilliant. They share some of their talent and they're all different abilities. We have children with additional needs. And what was very special is the fact that everybody was able to express themselves knowing that they were fully supported by the people who were watching them. Not just the leaders, but everybody. Mm. It was a real sense of family together. And that's what we want for our children, is that they feel safe when they're with us and when they're in King's Kids, and that they feel loved and accepted. That is so important. So we're just really blessed that we're able to nurture that with them. Yeah, another thing just to mention is that we feel very looked after and protected. Claire mentioned safe there. And some of the things that we do, not always by sort of Claire's ideas, but um, such as our King's Kids picnic was a highlight once again this year. And we had, uh, we had a water slide, which we've taken to having over the last few years. But this, this year, we decided to uh, kind of play a game of... Um, well, it was kind of... It was, on board a ship, you'd play coits. 
but we, we played it with big sort of blocks of ice. So we had team leaders with blocks of ice. We had a target, and they had to basically hurl these blocks of ice kind of down the water slide and aim at a target. The blocks of ice, of course, were filled with Starburst sweets, as you can imagine. And uh, the, the winners were a team called uh, the Yellow Marshmallows. But we just we thank God each year, don't we, that um, we don't need a big healing service after our events. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Ron. Thank you very much, Ben and Claire. I mean, they're just doing a fantastic job. It really is brilliant. Thank you so much. And Francis. Francis and uh, Ray Sylvester have been running Alpha. Ray shared in the first meeting about Alpha, and Francis is going to share in this one. So, Francis, tell us a few highlights of Alpha. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, just as a quick reminder for those that don't know what Alpha is, Alpha is a course in which people can explore the meaning of life from a Christian perspective. And um, we run the course here at King's. We've been doing it for a number of years now. Uh, it's about an eight-week course. We meet up in one of the rooms upstairs. And loads of people come along. We have about 25 people coming on the two alpha courses that we ran in 2014, one launching in February and one in September. And the great thing about alpha is that people come along, they have a coffee, they have some cake, they get to know each other. But more importantly, we, sit, we watch a video uh, from Holy Trinity Brompton on various topics like what is the meaning of life, uh, does God heal today? It is really fantastic course is that we ran uh, in 2014. Um, what really struck us both, uh, Ray and I, as we were leading the course, is the discussions that happen afterwards. So the videos are great and the, the live speakers are great as well. But what really happens on Alpha is people get an opportunity to discuss together in the groups what really kind of challenges them about what they heard and the questions that they have. And, and there's just a real openness amongst people's discussions. People gave some brilliant questions. Uh, not, all the answer, or not all the questions were answered. That's the point of Alpha. But people had the opportunity to ask the questions and to discuss them in a really non-judgmental environment. The great news is that some people, as a result, got baptized. Um, afterwards, we had a brilliant two Holy Spirit mornings. Um, and just the presence of God there, meeting with people where they were at. And really uh, just showing people his love and his grace. We had two people, a number of people being baptized, joining the church as well. We even, a first ever on Alpha, we had two people that got engaged as well. <laughs> That's not part of the Alpha. It wasn't one of the series on, you know, how do I meet my wife or husband? But nonetheless, it was really great. Um, and we're looking forward to doing another Alpha Easter 2015 after the, the big questions event that we're doing as well. So we're looking forward to more great discussions and people coming in and hearing the good news in a really informal way on the Alpha course. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Francis. Very encouraging. Neil. Neil is going to share about, we had uh, our Christmas carol services the other week. Neil, would you like to say about that? Thank you, Ron. Um, uh, last year in 2013, we were absolutely stumped, full of people for our two carol services. So we made the decision that we we're going to go to three, and, uh, which we did this year, uh, 11.30 and 3.30 and 6.30. Um, we, we, just, we had over 1,100 people through our doors. And it was, I mean, it was huge. And, the, and the, you know, the contributions were just excellent. I mean, the whole thing was, it was just brilliant. And I was so pleased. And people responded. So we asked people to bring one, serve one. Would you bring someone on one and uh, would you serve at another? And I have to say, church, it was terrific, absolutely terrific. So I got home that night 
on the, on the 14th in the evening. And I sat down and I was thinking about the whole day. There were people there from 9 o'clock in the morning mm. till 9 in the evening. Yeah. Some people were packing up the PA at 10, mm. 10.30 at night. Yeah. They did a brilliant job. There were people in here between meetings hoovering. Nobody asked them. They just got a hoover and started clearing up. The serving was phenomenal. Mm. Absolutely. Kitchen, creche, at the doors. I mean, it was, it was just marvelous to behold. And I couldn't help but tweet. I felt so <laughs> proud, so proud to tweet. What a, what a brilliant church this was to be part of. So generous, so serving, so gracious, so warm and welcoming. It was, it was just, uh, I just felt so proud to be part of this church. Let me finish this. Dallas Willard says this. He says, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. Mm. And I realized this church was such a warm and welcoming, serving, gracious church. Mm. It's what you become. Yeah. And it is marvelous. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Neil. <clears throat> Just by way of also illustrating that, last September we had 41 small groups running. This September we have 51 running. So that means we've got more leaders who are willing to do things like that, to serve there. We've got such a huge variety of small groups that even saddle back in California, is it? Or have been on the phone to us. They're interested in what we're doing. They want us to do some kind of conference, I think. I mean, so the, the blessing of the Lord is upon us. We had 13 people, Francis mentioned, people getting baptized. We had 13 people get baptized in 2014. Richard, we've also experienced some healings too, haven't we? Would you like to share a bit about that, please? Yeah, we have. Um, I accept there's always a tension with healing because whatever healing we see, we'd always like to see more. I think that's fair, but be good just to celebrate uh, what the Lord's done. And we've seen the Lord heal people in these Sunday morning meetings and in small groups as well. So uh, I remember I was leading a meeting uh, January last year, and there was a word of knowledge that's something the Holy Spirit gives, a particular piece of information. And that word of knowledge was there was somebody there who was really struggling, was in a lot of pain with their arm. And uh, after the meeting, uh, someone came up to me and they'd been struggling with, uh, with pain in their arm. And <clears throat> what had happened is uh, they were in so much pain, they were, they were pretty much permanently on painkillers, had been for a while, and weren't able to sleep. And what had happened is that over time they got something called RSI, repetitive strain injury, uh, on their arm. And this was a problem because they're a hairdresser, so, they, so affecting their work, affecting their sleep, affecting just about every part of their, their life. And, and nothing really could be done, and this was quite a long-term thing. So there was an opportunity to pray, so he prayed. And the great thing, I think, sometimes about praying for healing is... I hear expressions back from people who've been prayed for, and the expression often here is, you never guess what. I love to hear that. So I went up to, it's Keturah, who sits over here normally on a second meeting on a Sunday. Went over to Keturah the following week. I said, how's the arm? You never guess what. You never guess what. She explained that all the pain had gone. She only realized she was out of pain when she was at work and thought, hang on a minute. I have not experienced any pain since being prayed for. So she still had some pins and needles in, in the arm, so prayed for that and uh, prayed for those pins and needles to go and saw a couple of weeks ago, said, how are the pins and needles? You never guess what. 
they've gone too. So that was one of you speak to Katrina. You will see that actually being healed has fundamentally affected mm. her quality of life, mm. her sleep, her work, everything. Please talk to her. She'll beam from ear to ear. Um, the following week, I think we also had, a, there was a word of knowledge about knees. So um, the Lord started with arms one week, and it was knees the next, and a number of people came forward. Um, Richard, Richard Parker, I've got his permission to talk about this. He, he'd been struggling with a problem on one of his knees. He couldn't stand for very long on one knee without having to shift weight on, on, onto the other knee. Uh, and it was giving difficulty. It was a long-term pain issue. Have it struggling to walk. He was prayed for. Guess what? Instantly, instantly healed and has remained so. So you can speak to Richard about that. But uh, so that's here. There are others. I haven't got time to go into them. Um, but we also pray in our small groups. So our connect groups are groups for people who are brand new to the church and have sometimes have an opportunity to do healing evenings. And the last one that. Uh, that we did, which was back in November, three people were healed that evening. One from sort of emotional um, thing. Someone else had it was excruciating pain in their shoulder. That pain left instantly. But there was also someone there who'd had a car accident, um, quite a serious one that had caused some temporary paralysis. Some temporary paralysis at the time of the accident that had lifted, but it, there was residual pain and considerable pain in the back and the hip, and that pain. Uh, restricted movement, it affected sleep, affected uh, quality of life again. Had an opportunity to pray, got a, an email on the following Tuesday. I, ne- I never guess what, you never guess what email. <laughs> that that evening, all that pain and immobility lifted in an instant, just went. And what it meant is that person was able to do things, sit without pain, had fresh mobility, came, the hip was no longer a problem. And they called, uh, they called home, called uh, her mother. And mother's not a believer in Jesus Christ, as far as I know. And explained what had happened. And the mother knew about the severity of, of the accident. And the mother said, there's got to be a God, because only God could have done that for you. So isn't it good? Isn't it an encouragement? Yeah, the Lord is with us. We want to see more, don't we? Yeah. But the Lord is at work. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord, indeed. In our, thank you, Richard. In, in our youth work, we run an, an event called Element, which happens, I think, on a Friday afternoon. We get more than 80 young people coming to that, many of them not from a church background. And Richard... Um, who runs this, uh, the, our youth work, Richard Horn, wrote this to me because he's not able to be here today. He said t- to share this with you. Uh, one of the evenings, he said, at the end of the evening, the speaker asked all those who wanted to take Jesus seriously to come forward and get down on their knees. In an unforgettable moment, 60 young people went forward, got down on their knees, and started praying. It was hugely significant. And it has completely changed our expectations of what is possible on an evening. So that was very encouraging. There's other stuff that could be shared, but time doesn't permit me to do so. We have our little stars event, which happens here on a Tuesday and a Friday morning. Thank you so much to all those who are involved in that. Please encourage you to get involved if you've got time to do that, or if you are involved, continue to do so. Huge blessing. I come down here from time to time to see what's going on. It's such a super event for the little children, their parents, and it's a good opportunity for us to connect with them as well. 
Our student work is going well. We run a small group, small student group. They have a great time of fellowship, and there's a great sense of community, encouraging and challenging each other in the faith. Our student meals are going well. There's a great time. It's just good to remember. It's good to remember the goodness of the Lord and the good things that He has been doing among us. Now, I realize as well that not everything is plain selling. What I'd like you to do now is just for a moment, think about personal memories that you have from this year. Now, I've had a lot longer, obviously, to think about it than you have. But I was thinking back on 2014. Has it all been easy? No. Have there been difficulties? Yes. Have there been stresses? Yes. Have there been tears? Yes. Have there been things that I've gone through that I'd rather not had gone through? Yes. But I want to remember the goodness of the Lord because I'm committed to this. Not about you. But I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this, like the psalmist, to believe this that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm committed to that. It's a refrain that I keep coming out with. I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Well, if I believe that, what have I seen as I look back on 2014? Well, I've got many things that I could recount this morning, but I haven't got time. But just two that I would like to tell you about. Two personal things that I look back on 2014, remember, and I think, oh, thank you, Lord. That's just great. I'm really blessed by that. And the first one, the very simple one, is seeing a little girl, not even one year old, taking her first steps. And then later on, reaching out her arms to be lifted up by granddad. Well, you know who granddad was, or is me. And that little girl was my granddaughter. It's just a precious moment that it can easily be forgotten. I thought, oh, I hadn't, as I began to think about 2014, that came to my mind. I thought, it's a blessing. Thank you so much, Lord. For many years as well, I had wanted to go and visit a particular place I had never been before. I'd read lots about it and was very interested. I'd read many books and I'd seen many programs, historical programs about this place. And uh, my daughter also wanted to go. And so, bless her, she was just amazing. She just organized it all and for me, which was really good. She researched it on the internet. and So we went to this place as an act of remembrance. It was in Poland. It was Auschwitz. And so we went there. And it was just a very, very moving experience and a blessing from the Lord because it opened a door that I'd wanted to open, wanted to see open for some time. I could share many more things about 2014. So I would encourage you just to be thinking back, maybe over lunch or this afternoon, think back. Yeah, we've had difficulties. Yeah, we've had trials. Yeah, we've had mistakes. Yeah, we know that. I want to look back. I want you to look back on some of the good things that the Lord has done for you in 2014. Joshua got it, you see. He got it. Just before the children of Israel went to the promised land, Moses, who was about to die, said to them many things. But he said, he said you know, you're going into this land with giants there. You know, you've got to defeat them. But don't be afraid of them. Why not? He said, remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Remember well. They were weak. They were helpless. 
They had no defenders when they were in slavery in Egypt. Maybe sometimes we feel weak. Maybe sometimes we feel helpless. Maybe sometimes we feel oppressed. Well, that's exactly what the children of Israel were going through when they were in Egypt. But he says, remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. In other words, there were mighty acts of deliverance. Well, you might say, well, Ron, that was four or 5,000 years ago. What about today? Oh, I want to tell you this. I've seen acts of deliverance in this church. I've seen many acts of deliverance in this church. You know, I used to laugh when people said about healing of the memories. I thought it was one of these Christian over-spiritual expressions about healing of the memories. Hey, I've changed my mind about that. I really do believe in healing of the memories. I believe that uh, the Lord works on our mind in such a way that some of the traumatic things that we've been through do not have the power over us. It's a bit like a nightmare. You know when you're going through a nightmare and uh, you know, maybe you, you're in a sweat or your heart is palpitating in this nightmare and there's a reality about it. Sometimes life can be a bit like that. But the beautiful thing is when you waken up from a nightmare, you realize actually its power is broken over you. And sometimes life can be like that. Sometimes life can feel like I'm going through a nightmare. But I want to say this to you, if you're going through that, I have gone through that, that the power of Jesus is able to break that. The power of Jesus is able to break that memory, the power of that memory within you. Remember the goodness of the Lord. I've seen many situations in this church change. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my own experience. I've seen it in my own family where I felt, is this nightmare going to end? How did we get to this place? What have I done to deserve this? What have I done wrong? As it turns out, you don't have to have done anything wrong for bad things to happen. Bad things happen to good people. Just look at Job. And the Lord spent over 40 chapters telling us about him. And the problem was his friend said to him, it's because you've done something wrong that this has happened to you. And in the end, God said, no, 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 no. He told them off. He said, that's wrong. Bad things happen to good people. But anyway, be that as it may, the Lord is able to change your situation. He did it for the children of Israel. Remember, remember, the stones were put there as a memorial to remind them. Remember, now Jesus said, there's something I want you to do in order to remember me. What was it? To break bread, communion, Eucharist, whatever you want to call it, the Lord's Supper. Jesus instituted that because he wants us to remember. He wants us to remember something of what he's done. When you do this, when you break this bread, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus wants us to remember. And there's a reason for that which I'll come to in a moment. First of all, we easily forget. So the first thing that I said was that the children of Israel did this, put these stones here as a memorial. But also in verse 5, it says this, Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. So it was a memorial, but it was also a sign. Now, Neil talked about signs on Christmas Day, I think it was, wasn't it, Neil? Yeah, talked about signs. 
Now, signs point to something. Signs are, they point, they're not the reality, they point to something. So these stones that Joshua put down by uh, the River Jordan, they were signs of something. What were they signs of? What did they point to? Well, they pointed to various things. They pointed to God's love for his people. This small nation, not very powerful, in fact, weak, in fact, helpless, just a, a small tribe to begin with, persecuted. But God, it reminded them that God had chosen them. Isn't that true of you and me as well? What, what virtue did we have that God should choose us? What power did we have that God should choose us? Nothing. Nothing. Why did God choose, choose you? Because he loved you. That's why. Because he loves you. So these stones were a memorial of God's love for them. They also were a sign pointed to God's power. Here they were oppressed. Here bad things were happening to them. Here they were being persecuted. But God was involved and God's power delivered them. Is that true for you and me, I wonder? Whatever situation you may be facing, is God able to deliver you from it? Sometimes the Lord delivers instantly. We heard about some healings. Instant. Would it were always like that, I think. But realistically, it's not always like that. Sometimes deliverance takes time. In my situation, when we were going through a very difficult uh, family situation, I felt as if we were trapped in this. I felt as if we were stuck. I felt as if we were never going to get out of it. It was like uh, a film. You know, in, uh, when I was a boy, they didn't have all this digital stuff, uh, believe it or not, and this streaming from the internet and all that kind of stuff. If you went to the cinema, it was a film on a reel. Yeah, who remembers that? Films on reels. Yeah, a few, praise God. And uh, sometimes, if you went to the cinema and there was a film on a reel, oh, by the way, people used to smoke. Not allowed to do that now. Praise God. That's a good change. And uh, you see the smoke up through. Anyway, I'm digressing here. Uh, so it was on a reel. And sometimes the reel would end. And it would go, so you see flick, 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 flick. And then there would be a five-minute interval while they changed the, the reel. Now, the thing about what these films on a reel, so if you looked at one frame on the reel, you would see a certain picture, a certain part of the film, and that one frame. If you looked at the next frame, it would look virtually identical. In fact, I would suggest you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the first and the second frame. If you looked at the third frame, it would still look the same. You wouldn't see much of a difference. However, if you looked 100 feet down at that frame, it would be totally different to the first one you'd looked at. Life can be like that, and God can do changes. Sometimes you feel, I'm trapped in this frame. Today, yesterday, tomorrow, it's the same. I'm trapped here. I guess the Israelites must have felt like that when they were trapped in Egypt. This is the way it's always going to be. Not so. Not so. God is at work. I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And when I look back on 2014, I can definitely say, I have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. No, it hasn't all been plain sailing, but I have definitely, assuredly, seen, surely, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's a sign. It's a sign of the power of God. 
It's a sign of God's deliverance for them. <clears throat> Not only that, we sang about you are faithful. It's a sign. These stones are a sign of the faithfulness of God. Because it was many years before that God had said to Abraham, I'm going to give you and your descendants the land. Now, when they were in slavery in Egypt, it seemed a long, 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 long way away. In fact, it seemed an impossibility. Here they were being oppressed by the most powerful nation in the world at that time. How are they ever going to get out of this situation? But when you factor God in, then things can change. I want to ask you this question. Do you factor God into your life? Hello? Do you? I'm not sure I do. As much as I should, do I have faith? I've asked myself that question since I've been studying this. Well, even before that, I think, do I? So, Ron, do you have faith? Well, of course I have faith, I can say. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the resurrection. I believe God created the universe. I believe Jesus is returning again. I believe that all things are going to be restored through his power. I believe that I'll meet him in glory. I believe that I'll be transformed to become like him in an instant. I believe I'll have a new body. I believe he's going to prepare a place for me. I believe he's the way, the truth, and the life. Of course, you, of course you've got faith. But I still ask myself the question, do you really? Do you really? I read um, a couple of things about two pastors, one from Romania and one from China. And... The one from Romania, I read many of his books when I was a young Christian. His name was Richard Wurmbrandt. And he was imprisoned under the tyrannical regime of Ceausescu. He spent three years in solitary confinement in an underground cell where there was no light. His uh, family were told that he died in prison. He spent another almost nine years in prison. He was released and he was re-imprisoned. He was tortured while he was in there. When he was with the fellow prisoners, they had nothing. They had nothing to break bread. And they wanted to do it. And they had nothing. Literally, they had nothing. So they felt the Lord say to them, you can break bread with nothing. So they did. They broke bread with nothing. Another Christian pastor, Pastor Yun, who wrote the book, The Heavenly Man, he was imprisoned uh, by the Chinese and tortured brutally. And he'd been fasting for a long time, and he felt he was dying. And, and the Lord gave him a vision of his mother visiting him. And the next thing that happens is he wakes up, and he finds someone with their arms around him. And it is, in fact, his mother. And what does he want to do? He wants to break bread. So they send one of the sisters out to get something. She comes back with some crackers and some grape juice. And he writes this. When I saw this, I broke one cracker, blessed it, and handed it to my wife, mother, brother Fong, and the other co-workers and relatives. From my broken heart, I said, this is the Lord's body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of him. I then poured out some of the grape juice. This cup is the blood of the Lord that was shed for us. Everyone bowed their heads and solemnly received the Lord's Supper. 
I cried out loudly and held my loved ones. I said, Mother, today may be the last time I take the Lord's Supper with you. I turned and kissed my wife. I told everyone, my dear wife, mother, brothers and sisters, I will see you all in heaven. And I thought, why was it so important for them, both Pastor Wombrandt and Pastor Ewan, why was it so important for them to break bread? Why did they want to do that? They had the most unimaginably terrible circumstances to endure. Why did they want to do that? It's a sign, is what I thought. It's a sign. I don't know what you're facing in your life right now. I want to ask you the question that I've asked myself. Do you have faith? Do you have faith in Jesus? Do you believe him? I don't mean, I don't mean all that I articulated earlier. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he's the virgin birth. I believe he's king of kings. That's great. I'm not dismissing that. But I'm asking, do you have faith? See, these guys had faith. That's what strikes me. They had faith because they realized that this breaking bread was a sign. What was it a sign of? It was a sign of this. It was a sign that there's a greater reality than all that they were enduring in their life and being tortured, being imprisoned, being denied meeting their family, all that they endured, all the abuse, they realized that there was a greater reality going on. And it's the greater reality that God is with me in this. It's a greater reality that God truly is love, despite what the prevailing winds of circumstances might suggest. God is love, and I know it because as I break bread and drink the wine, I remember that Jesus Christ came as a human being, which we celebrated over Christmas. He came as a human being. He knows exactly what it is to be human. He knows exactly the trials and the tribulations and the pressures and the the rejection of other people. He knows exactly what it's like, and he comes, and he sacrifices his life. That's an historical truth on which we can base our faith. Do you have faith? When you look at what you are facing, do you have faith that God truly loves you and is for you? As you look back on 2014, I hope you can see that there's some evidence of that. I hope you can see there's some evidence of the kindnesses of the Lord, of the gentleness of Jesus, of the encouragements of the Lord. Now, We're going to break bread together. And it's an opportunity for us to remember and to, if necessary, replace our faith in that historical event where Jesus came and he gave his life for you. So when you come out to break bread, I don't know where you are in your faith. I don't know whether you do have faith, really. I don't know what I do sometimes. I think I do, but I wonder, do I really trust him with everything, even when the chips are down? Let's just take a moment now, just reflect on your own life and maybe just say, Lord, I, I don't know where you're at, so it's your personal prayer. If the welcome team could...
I've overran my time again. I promised I wouldn't, but... Lord, we look back. We look back on 2014 and we say, as a church, we say, thank you. Thank you for the many good things you've done, many kindnesses you've shown us as, a, as your people, the blessings that you've showered upon us, Father. Thank you so much. It gives us a confidence, Lord, in your love for us. But our confidence is not based on that. But our confidence is based on what you've done as you sacrificed your life for us. That's what our confidence is based on. Father, will you help us to have faith, I mean, really, real faith, Jesus, <laughs> that you're for us, that you do love us, that we are secure in you, that, that you do know the things that mean things to us, Lord, and they are important to you. I do believe that, Father. So as we come to break bread, Father, we help each one of us to reconnect or strengthen our connection with you. I do pray for that in the name of Jesus.